Hello, Native Podcast Experience listeners. Welcome back to the episode of Native Podcast Experience. Today we have Becca Behind Art, also just known as Becca. She's from Oregon, moved from Colorado, and is an artist. But that's enough for me. I'm going to let Becca introduce himself. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity for having me on here. Um, I'm Becca, like he said. I am a fine artist, and I create surreal artwork using the form of pointillism. Awesome, awesome. So, Becca, tell me what it was like moving from Colorado growing up and then moving to Oregon. All right. So, I was born and raised in Colorado. Um, I was there until I was about 20, um, and I decided with a few events that happened in Colorado, I decided to move to Oregon for a new start. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Just like a quick change of pace there. Just needed to get a fresh start. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also moved up here to pursue my dream of being an artist too up here. I felt like there was more opportunity for me on the West Coast than there was um, in the Rocky Mountains. So. Gotcha. No, everyone needs to change of pace. I hear you on that. Um, so tell me a little bit about what's, what is one thing that you noticed when you first got to Oregon? Was it a culture shock? Was it something that the artist community was growing? Tell me a little bit about the Oregon compared to Colorado and the art community. Um, so Oregon and Colorado are actually kind of similar um, with the weather and um, stuff like that. But it's more creative, I think, um, especially with Seattle being three hours away from me and uh, there are some art museums more down here that I could get into in the future hopefully Um, but one of my biggest inspirations as well as the beach and I feel like since I moved to Oregon um, having the beach just an hour away it's really inspired me a lot with my um, works as you've probably seen Um, a lot of my works entail uh, water and um, aquatic life. I understand. Well, I hear you saying definitely the scenery plays a role into how you create things. Would you say you're more of a creative person when you're by the beach? You feel like, is that a calming place for you to get creative ideas and make masterpieces? Yes, um, definitely the beach and also the mountains. And it's lovely because Oregon has both. (laughs) They have the beach, they have um, the mountains, they also have the coast and I just love it. So, there you go. No, it's uh, it's an interesting, interesting mix of just how things, uh, landscapes can play a role into your art. But so, for anyone not, uh, not uh, interested or interested in art, what would you say to those people who don't know what pointillism is or some of the stuff you're doing? What is your general message to those people? Um, so, pointillism is a very tedious technique in drawing. Um, it's a form of dot. So you do all your values and um, all the outlining in dots. Um, And it's very tedious and takes a lot of time. Um, Each of my pieces, depending on the size, like my 9x12s take me about 40 to 50 hours to do. And then my 11x14s, I would say, are about 60 to 70 hours. So. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's a long time. what what are you what are some of the things you do to stay patient during that process because it is a long process as you just said. Yes, so I take quite a bit of break. Um, if I find that I'm just too I get too distracted or I'm just getting too tired, I'll take about ten minutes or fifteen minutes and I'll go do something else, like go on a walk or clean or something like that, and then I'll come back to it. 
Um, you definitely have to be in the right mindset to do that for long periods of time. Um, but I also listen to audiobooks, um, podcasts, and um, instrumental music. Um, so that helped me a lot. Would you say listening to that not only helps you with the creativity, but it calms your uh, any apprehensions or anxiety of doing the the pieces? Yes, and it also clears my mind because I am very much of an overthinker. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I try to do what I can to clear my mind. And also, the beautiful thing about pointillism is you have to put all your focus into it. So it can be very... Um, it's kind of like my meditation as well. So if I have a really stressful day, I'll just sit down and keep working on a piece and it helps calm me down a lot. Interesting. It seems like you have to almost be multifaceted in uh, not only doing you know, the art, right, but then also it's a, it's a mind game art. Would you say, now you, you do more than, I know you do Zodiacs and, and more like just regular drawing. Would you say it's the same message when you're just doing freestyle drawing, have that same focus, or do you feel like it's a little bit more or less relaxed because of this freestyle? Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, both of them, like sketching and doing the point closing, you both need that mindset. Um, but what I found is sketching is a little more easier because you, I don't have to have that much focus, if that makes sense. I got you. I got you. It, it's uh, yeah. it's a it's a mindset, right? I think any type of art you do, you have to be in the mindset of not only getting things done, but you also have to get in the mindset of the calm and the more relaxing vibes will, I guess, lead to another. Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. I hear I hear you on that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your art book here. See, I know you you were talking about this. For, for those of you, for those of you, myself and those of you who don't know what an art book is, it's different than a regular book. Explain to the audience what an art book is. Um, so an art book can be um, just um, an artist. It could be a collection. It could be all their works into one book. Um, so you'll flip through the pages. There's usually an um, introduction about the artist and what the book's about or their art journey and how they created the pieces. And then as you flip through, it'll have the um, illustrations that that artist has done. Um, And then some art books that I've seen have the dates that they were finished and then the title on the bottom. Some of them don't. Um, I've also seen some art books with table of contents as well. Um, So, And I'm thinking of doing, so I'm doing the Zodiacs right now. Um, I've already done the Greek Zodiacs. I'm working on the Chinese Zodiacs right now. I'm working on the rat currently. Um, And then I'm thinking of doing Celtic um, Zodiacs as well. And then once I'm done with all of those, I'm going to plan an art book in the next few years, probably 2021. Interesting. Uh, tell me where the idea came about just talking about the Zodiac sign. What really inspired you just to create that niche type art of Zodiac? What, for me, starting the series? Yeah, the, the series. Yeah, the Zodiac series. Yep. Um, so I've always wanted to create Zodiac drawings. Um, and I never knew what to put in them. Um, if you go on my Instagram, I have an angel piece that was supposed, that's a Libra. 
Um, and I was going to do the 12 zodiacs, but I just didn't feel like it was 100%. Um, so I sat on that idea for a couple years, um, and then I came back to it. And I've always been drawn to chess. I'm not quite sure why, but it's one of my favorite niches um, in space. And one thing about the zodiac is it's very um, astrology-based. So I took um, the planets, colors, um, the signs, and I put it all together in the constellation, and then I it just kind of formed itself. Interesting. So, yeah. So you, would you say when it all formed itself, did you feel like you were more in tune with what, I guess the, the piece was talking about, like what was the core message for the, like for myself and everyone else, uh, the audience members, when when you when they see this work, what would you say is the core message for them to get out of it? Um, so I wanted to make the pieces look like they were uh, chess pieces. Um, so I took the symbols of each zodiac. I originally was going to do angels, but I personally don't enjoy drawing people. So I took the drawing from my um, angel and I took the um, balance. That's the symbol for the Libra. I was like, okay. So I kind of put it in my head and all my creative juices were flowing. And I decided to put the scale and then um, I decided to keep the chess idea. And then that's when, um, so I made the symbol the main focus and then the chessboard the flowers, and uh, it just kind of came together. And it made sense to do the space, too, because the zodiac, when you think of zodiacs, you think of astrology and constellations. And I don't know, that's how I think of it. Right. Um, so. So you have you have to almost, um, you almost have to think of the audiences uh, going to be, more in tune when you have more universal kind of zodiac. Now, do you follow the zodiac? Uh, not religiously, but just enough to know where you know what you're doing about that, or are you kind of a casual astrologist in a sense? Um, I mean, I would say I'm more casual. I mean, I read into it. It's very interesting. I don't. I wouldn't say that I'm very. I don't believe it hundred um, percent, but it is interesting to see the different traits of each. Um, fine so interesting so you, you okay so the, so with the casual learning would you say would you would you have any a, a next series on it or are you going to just stick to this one series uh moving forward i'm not really sure yet <laughs> um, i'm just kind of going with the punches right now i'm going to continue doing what i'm doing um with the chinese and then the celtic and then see what happens um but the chinese zodiacs are a little bit different than the uh Greek one, because there's no planets, there's no constellation, it's just uh, years, and I have the yin and yang symbol on the top. So, no, you make, you make a very good point, right? It's uh, it's it's going to depend on just how the pace is and and what's good with other things for sure. Yeah. So, so when you started off, what are some things you learned from? Now, how long have you been doing art again? I've been doing art since I was really young, but I okay. just started doing it, per, I would say, professionally for about a uh, two years now, I would say, maybe a year. 
Okay, so when you first started out, what was the biggest thing popping into the art space that you had to learn? Uh, when I was younger or recently? Either one, either one. Recently or when you were young, either one's fine. Um, so, like, where did I start? Yeah, yeah, what, what uh, was the biggest biggest lesson you learned heading into it? Um, well, <laughs> the biggest lesson that I learned is there's no set path. There's no set path for art at all. Everyone has a different um, journey to go. So when I was really little, um, my dad was an oil painter. So I used to watch him um, create big paintings when I was young. And I would (laughs) copy what he was doing on my hand. And um, I've always been sketching and drawing and um, always creating something. And I always knew that art was my passion, but with life and how busy it can get, um, I kind of lost focus. And then recently, about a year ago, actually when I moved to Oregon, that's when I decided, all right, I got to put all my um, eggs into this basket because I know it's my passion. I know this is what I want to do. Why not try? Because I'd rather try now than regret it later on. Right. You can't. You can't. You can always go forward to the future, but you can never get back to past and regrets, for sure. Exactly. So what would you say to somebody who started the art game, their first ever piece, ready to draw? What, was, what are some big advices and tips you would give to them? Um, well, first of all, never give up. Um, mm-hmm. Keep practicing. Your first piece, especially if it's your very first piece, it's not going to be perfect. Um, but don't let that discourage you. You just want to keep going, keep practicing. You don't have to share every piece that you do. So say that you started an Instagram or a Mm -hmm. Facebook. Um, Just don't get into that. um, What I'm looking for. Don't get into that um, habit of having to share everything because you're going to get very depressed and you're going to feel like you're not good enough. But it just takes practice. You just got to keep working on it, and I promise you'll get better. Take practice and focus on your course and not anybody else. I got you. Yeah. And also, if – oh, go ahead. (laughs) No, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Keep going. Uh, I was just going to say, and if you are worried about finding your style – what I've learned is your style will find you. So if you don't like drawing like me, I don't like drawing people. I don't draw people anymore because it just frustrates me. Um, and that has helped me a lot, finding that I like drawing fish or landscapes or um, animals. I find that I really enjoy drawing animals. So just don't lose sight of that and don't get your mind so wrapped up against that, if that makes sense. Right, right. Don't get caught up in the sometimes the small things or any type of stuff that's going to make you off the track. Just keep going and and keep keep being persistent and develop your craft, as you said, for sure. Yeah. So I know Instagram and everyone talks about uh, marketing in the nowadays landscape. How how do you see marketing as an artist? Right? Do you, do you have a specific strategy? Do you feel like it's it depends. It depends on the pieces. I know you say you don't share everything. You don't just share everything. So what is your strategy for marketing on Instagram with your pieces? Um, so marketing with artists, it can be very tricky. It's also a very um, competitive market. So insights on 
Instagram is my best friend. <laughs> um, it lets me know um, when they look at my stuff, where they're most, where my audience is mostly, um, and when to post. Um, people probably wouldn't think that posting when people are online is a marketing strategy, but I find that it is because that helps your numbers go up, especially with Instagram formula. Um, you want to be consistent, but you don't want to be spammy. So a lot of people, I'm sure if you're studying or researching marketing tools, what I found is a lot of people are saying post at least once or twice a day. Um, with art, that can be very tricky because especially for my pieces, they take so long. Um, and I don't want to be too repetitive. So I p try to post at least three times a week. Um, and I try to make it different, if that makes sense. Right. You don't um, have uh, you don't have the same content per day. You just keep it different and uh, make it yeah. look more make it more diverse. But you can keep going. Yeah. Um, hashtags are good too. Good for marketing, so you can get an audience. Um, and then there is an option on Instagram that you can put your website, but you can't just put your website on there and expect everyone to go on there. You have to post on your stories, on your uh, posts, on Facebook, or stuff like that, that you have in a website or a store, so then people can find you and go to where you want them to go. Um, I'm still learning marketing myself. Um, mm -hmm. It's a little tricky. Like I said, it's very competitive with art because there's so many um, art Instagrams and everything. So just don't give up. Right, right. Don't give up and uh, make sure you, like you said, keep keep finding new ways and trial and error. Would you say art is very trial and error based? It's not so much a structure. It depends what you got and sometimes you just got to throw it up to make it happen? Yes, very much so. It also, um, luck is also a very big part of it. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I feel like um, some artists can go quote-unquote viral overnight and then other artists that put their blood sweat and tears may not have the most followers but that's okay because even though you might not have the most followers you might have good sales if that makes sense so it's not really about the followers it's just getting your artwork out there showing what you have what your um, niche is what you um, create and then also, you need to find your audience, too, and that's pretty tricky as well. Any tips on how to find your audience that you've done and discovered? You're still figuring it out day by day. I'm still figuring that out, but I did find that going to hashtags um, that people like. So for my instinct, for my uh, stuff, I would go to pointillism, or I would go to surreal art or pop surrealism. And then I will look at what the people are liking versus mine. And then um, I'll go from there. I don't believe in the follow-unfollow method, if you've heard of that. Yes, I have. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't agree with it because um, it can backlash very, like, hard on your part. Um, so you'll have a bunch of followers. And then when they find out that you unfollowed them, then they're going to unfollow you too. So I feel like that's a strategy that people should stay away from. Um, 
yeah. No, oh, gotcha. It's it's a strategy that it's a short term game with absolutely no long term reward at all. Uh, uh, would yeah. you say have you had that encounter before personally? Just people, one day good, the other day no good. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and you can tell when you look at your followers. Say you have, I had five hundred followers once, and then I lost like forty of them, and I was like, what the heck happened? Um, but I found out that the people that were following me, a lot of them, especially if they have a huge following, I found they unfollow you. Um, and yeah. And then another big thing is robots. There's a lot of robots on social media. So they'll follow you and then Instagram will find them and then they'll delete their account and then, um, they're gone. That's why a lot of people say don't buy your followers because one day you'll have 1.5 million followers. And then the next right, year right. we're gonna have like a thousand. So yeah, you don't never. I think it's important to stay real. The more real you get, the better you'll get, and the more real you get, the probably the more chances you can connect with real-minded people than some robot for sure. Exactly. How do you utilize one of these before we move into the next? How do you utilize, uh, let's say, stories and uh, the live stream feature to your benefit? Um. So stories are really good. Because I can show work in progresses without having to post online. Um, stories are also good to interact with your followers. Um, you can do a poll. You can do um, questions. Um, and then live streams. I love live streams. Um, and I'm planning to do them more. Um, because you're interacting with someone like you. You're so far away. And I can interact with you just through a live stream and we can talk in real time while I'm drawing. I just think it's a really good interacting tool. Um, and it kind of shows everyone what um, an artist does on a day-to-day basis and um, how much time it actually goes into the work, if that makes sense. I don't know. That's kind of how I use um, my stories, especially with doing pointillism. I feel like it shows how much time and how much effort it really goes into it. Um, and it's good for marketing too. So. No, I hear you. I think it's, it's really, uh, it's really cool to think that you almost have two sides of it, right? You have the live stream where you, like you said, you can connect with so many people across the world. And then you have the stories where you can go behind the scenes and share your, your, your basically your documentary in the sense of your art pieces and, the great thing about art, you can make time lapses and all that, whereas other stuff, you you really can't. So with art, you can create, you can be creative without even knowing it. Um, mm-hmm. Now you, you did say uh, you were planning on going here to YouTube soon. Tell me what are your, the strategy for YouTube, and have you ever done like a, a full video series before? And what's your experience like? So I have not touched YouTube at all. Um, I've always been really nervous and scared I guess and I've had that because I've wanted to be on YouTube since I was 14. I've always wanted to do an art channel Um, but one thing that is hard is getting the equipment to do uh, videos I find Um, so I am planning on creating a YouTube channel in 2020. I've been trying to do it Earlier, I have some videos already, but I need to get uh, <laughs> I need to get um, some I need to get a laptop pretty much to edit it because my other one doesn't work. But uh, um, 
don't know. I just, I'm thinking of doing um, time lapses, of course. I also want to do some real-time video um, because I feel like a lot of people like my real-time short videos that I do on Instagram. And I would also, um, I personally love real-time videos. And I also might do some vlogging, but I have to get uh, used to being in front of the camera and trying to talk to people. Um. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, what, what is uh, real-time, I'm trying to think, what, what is real-time video for people who don't know what that is? Again? Uh, so real-time video, um, you can just go on YouTube and search real-time drawing. Um, it's pretty much just watching the, the artist draw in real time. So instead of time lapses, yeah. So instead of time lapses, um, I would be doing um, a drawing all in dots, and then I think it would show the audience how much time actually goes into it. Like I said earlier, it takes me about forty hours. So yeah. I feel like that would be an interesting, <laughs> interesting tactic to do and show the audience how much I can get done in two or three hours. Because YouTube used to be only 10 hours, but now you can go, I think, you can go up to, I think I've seen a couple 24-hour videos. So, wow. Yeah, I'm thinking of trying that, see how it does. Um, Holy snap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. How do you? How would you even? Uh, how would you even approach that? Like when? It, 20, how do you approach a 24-hour mindset? Just to think that you're going to be doing this for 24 hours. Like, how, like when it, when it comes to like video format, how are you going to edit all that? What, what, what's the the process and how you see? How would you see that if you plan on incorporating that in your strategy? Well, first of all, you need a plan. And you need to make sure that your day is everything that you um, have to get done, uh, your routines, um, chores, anything like that. You need to make sure that those are done. Um, and then you also need to plan the day. Um, let everyone know if you live with someone that what you're doing so then they don't interrupt you. Um, because what I found watching real-time videos on YouTube myself, they go straight. They don't even edit it. They just do it, pop it on YouTube, and it's there. Um, but depending depending on how it goes for me, I might do some editing because we need breaks, especially for me. I like taking breaks. So, um, but, yeah, most artists I find just go straight and they just draw for straight two, ten hours. So, <laughs> wow! Wow, that, that's crazy. Just how uh, you you just don't expect the, the that kind of work to be put into an art, but when you actually get it done, yeah, it, it makes sense that you have to put you have to put that kind of work in, or you won't get the results for sure. Exactly. Um, would you, what, what what's your biggest thing you're looking forward to out of all the vlogging and, and time? What, what's the biggest thing you're looking forward to moving forward for next year? Um, I'm looking forward to the videos. Um, mm -hmm. I really enjoy making videos and I really want to make more. Um, and I like seeing how my piece started to the end. Right. And I just like, I just like sharing that part, I guess. <laughs> um, but I'm, 
honestly looking forward to see how my portfolio increases from when I started, um, specifically in the pointillism route, um, and just see what happens, really. Yeah, no, I think it's good to just experiment with the video, uh, give you a chance to give back and give your audience back what it really takes to be an artist and what it takes to make things happen. Uh, one last thing for the vlog. Would you say when you do get comfortable buying the vlog, would you would you have like a five-minute vlog, ten-minute vlog, or is it still developing in the plan? What kind of the vlog content you'll make? I'm thinking of doing longer vlogs, um, so probably 10 to 20 minutes. Um, and with the vlogs, I want to do a lot of talking about um, the art business, tips I have, um, experiences that I've had so I can help people. I really like helping others, and I really like um, helping them with their dreams. Right. So I want to use the vlogs to help um, other um, artists if they're struggling or anything like that. And to give a little behind the scenes of what it really is like to be um, as an artist. Because like I said earlier, every artist is different. And every artist has a different lifestyle. Um, there's no right, wrong or right way to do it. You just kind of have to go in, try it, see what works for you, see what doesn't work for you, and then kind of go with that. No, it's cool. I think it's cool that you are you're dedicated to the craft and you're dedicated to making things happen for uh, not only others but yourself and, of course, your fans. Um, so you also have multiple pieces you're working on. Can you just elaborate on some other things you got planned for the rest of the year? Yes. Um, so I have a few pieces that are going to be um, they're going to be similar to the other ones that I do. So I do a lot of um, space, chess, and landscape themes with um, animals and aquatic life. So I have another scenery piece coming. I have a flamingo piece coming. And then I also have another, um, I actually have two more series coming. Um, so on top of the chess um, zodiac series, I have a lunar series coming that I want to possibly create into a calendar for 2021. Um, and then I have another chess um, that's similar to my angel piece, um, but I'm going to do it with animals. And th and then I also still have my aquatic um, chess series, but I've been kind of slacking on that one because I haven't been too inspired finishing that yet. No, I hear what you're saying. I think it's it's so it's a lot of vision, right? It's a lot of vision and dreams, but to handle all that, you gotta you gotta just make things happen and uh, and go and, and go and play it for for sure. Um, out of all those pieces, would you say is there one in particular you're really looking forward to? I know the calendar. We'll talk about that in a second. But is there anything in particular you're looking forward to? Um, so I'm really looking forward to the lunar one because uh, anything moon-based. I absolutely love it. I'm drawn to it. So I'm really excited for that. Um, and I'm also really excited about my uh, flamingo piece, too. I just thought of it a two, two days ago. And I don't know. When I think of an idea for a piece, I just get so drawn to it. And it just doesn't get out of my brain until I finally put it on paper and I start working on it. So. 
Right, right. You need that. Uh, you need those. You need those vibes of uh, writing it down. And would you say writing it down helps you feel more focused and get more focused moving forward? Yes, um, I do a lot of lists. I do a lot of repetitive lists too, just to kind of get my brain um, focused. Um, and then I do a lot of sketching <laughs> before I do the final draft um, of a piece. Interesting. How, how many sketches does it take before you get a final copy? Depending on the piece, some pieces I'll have the idea like that, and it's the first one. Some pieces it takes four to five thumbnails or um, even first draft. Interesting. So you have the uh, – you have the – I guess, would you say with the sketch, do you have like your own sketchbook? Do you have a plan when it comes to sketches or do you feel like it's, it's more spontaneous inspiration when it's you at different times? Um, so it's kind of in between spontaneous and planned. I like to plan everything as much as I can. Um, so I do have a sketchbook and um, I like to dedicate at least two or three pages for each um, piece that I do. So for the zodiacs, I will have um, like a list of colors I want to do, the symbols that I need to incorporate, the planets, traits, anything that I want to put into the piece, I will put it in a list. And then I will make um, four or five boxes, and I'll just do some thumbnails. And then I'll take one of the thumbnails that's on one piece of paper, and then I'll take one of the thumbnails, I'll go to the next piece of paper, dedicated for that piece and then I'll draw it um, bigger so then I can transfer it to my uh, final piece of paper. Interesting. So it is a process and then you then you get it down on paper and then you execute. Interesting. Now, you, 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 make, you make a very good point though, right? Would you, would you say during this process, is this a good time to uh, make any final edits? Like let's say you, you like something originally and the piece is all done, do you make any final edits to make sure it looks good? Or do you feel like when it's done, it's done? Um, if I need to fix something, I will, especially before I start doing the dots, because once I, the dots are on paper, they're there forever. So I like to do any trial and error during the uh, first draft stage. Make sure that everything I, uh, on the page I like, if I don't, because I'm very heavy-handed, um, I'll usually just go to the next page and try to redraw it again. And if I like that better, then that'll be the one that I'm going to transfer to the final draft. No, you make you make a uh, you make a good point. Uh, you have to stay stay with your roots and stay with your uh, your your I guess not your guts, but stay with your instinct and know that it's going to be the best piece possible. Now, one other thing before we move on to another topic, I had. Uh, for anybody trying to make things happen when it comes to the final product, is there any specific way when you're done with post-production that you ask for people's opinions or do you have like a support group or accountability group or do you feel like it's all based off of you and you think it's good? Depending on the piece. Um, some pieces I'm extremely confident and I know that's what I want and I'll just go um, head first and just start. Um, other pieces I'll ask my uh, my mom or my friends, I'll just send like a little, because all my friends <laughs> are kind of far away. So I'll just send them like a Snapchat or something and be like, what do you think? Give me honest opinions. And then um, whatever they say, I'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, 
and then I'll fix it if I want to. Sometimes I do that. I'm like, yeah, I still like how it is. Um, but it's good to get a second, um, a second opinion sometimes because you can get in your head too much and uh, you think it might look good, but then when you start the piece, then you're like, wait a second. I don't like that. Why didn't I see this before? If that makes sense. So. No, I, I like it. I like the, I like the mindset thinking, right? You have certain things where it's going to click and you feel like you're confident. You're heading into the, the post-production into the Instagram world or wherever you market it confident. And then of course, some pieces, as you said, might be a little more uh, second opinions and feedback and, you know, either method works because like you said, it's subjective, but sometimes real criticism can lead to real things for sure. Um, so now this is a little bit, this is something I, I use research on. So you went into the Patreon world. I, I saw one of your stories, like 25% off, I think it was the uh, pieces or something like that. And I, I never touched that world. So tell me a little bit about the Patreon world and what it's like trying to get some support for crowdfunded people. Um, so I am still trying to learn Patreon. Um, mm-hmm. I want to have it where people can look more into my process and have first looks of pieces for those that um, do have Patreon and want to follow me there. Um, But that is a completely different um, world I found. Um, It's different from Instagram, Facebook, um, even YouTube. Um, It's more of like, well, it's in the word Patreon. So you'll do monthly payments towards the uh, artist of your choice. Uh, it can be a dollar or two dollars, and then with that, you get um, rewards that you wouldn't see on their other social media platforms. So, say I want to do real time videos on Patreon just for my Patreon, so they can ask questions that they will um, that I wouldn't answer on anywhere else. And it would be specifically for Patreon, if that makes sense. Gosh, you got it. it's a it's a Patreon only type deal where you uh, would you give them benefits as, as well as saying like you like for those people who do subscribe or I guess give you a donation in a sense, would you give them like inside access to some of your pieces or, or are you still trying to figure oh. out what the, what that is? Yes, of course. Um, so I want to do um, behind the scenes which would be my sketches. I would scan my sketches. Um, I would show the process that I have before I do the final draft. Um, I also want to do some real-time Patreon-specific videos on there. And I also want to do a live stream specifically for Patreons on there, too. I'm still kind of learning um, what I can can do because I want to make sure that I – what I promise to give to them, I can give them. Because I don't want to say, oh, I'm going to give this to you um, for your donation monthly. Um, say, like, a coloring page or um, a sketch for them when I can't do that yet, if that makes sense. Because I don't have the equipment for it. Um, so I want to make sure that I can give them what I'm telling them I can. I don't want to over deliver and under promise rather under promise and over deliver i got you exactly yeah i got you and would you incorporate um anything let's say like let's say when the book and the calendar come out would you say you would incorporate something to where you might give them half off or do you feel like you would give something of that nature 
or some type of inside scoop or a preview? Would, would that be in the cards too for some of your oh, projects? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. I would probably put a tier because on Patreon there are tiers. Have you ever um, been on Kickstarter? No, I have not. I've never been on Kickstarter. No? Um, so it's very similar to Kickstarter, um, but it's monthly instead of all together. So, um, so on the tier I would have, um, say, my book comes out or my calendar comes out. I would have a tier that would be like um, if I plan to do more books, then I'd say you get 15 percent off my books or calendars for however many you buy if that makes sense and then I would send that coupon to them to get it off and then when they check out in my store they would have the coupon and then um, it would take it off and then it would be like that yeah I got you it's a it's it's a tiered system where the the better I guess the more you donate the more opportunity you have versus the less you do I got you. I got you. Um, so let's get let's kind of wrap this up here. So what are some of your goals, not only to finish the end of the year personally and art-wise, but for the rest of um, your art career, what are some of the rest of your goals for the future? Um, so I want to be full-time because I'm not quite full-time yet. Um, and I also, something that I've always been wanting to do that I've been kind of, unsure about is getting into a show um like a gallery show or a uh um like an art fair or something that's one of my goals to get into um and just I want to create at least two pieces a month I'm still going to set that goal for now because I can't um with the time that I have and the other stuff that I have to do it's hard to get three or more done um but I got you. you know, it, 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 those are humbling goals, right? To get into like one of those shows or even a museum down the road. But those, yeah. those, those are the things you want to do. And then, of course, having that, that luxury of being an entrepreneur with that free, that free time to do whatever you want in a sense. Sure, sure you're on the grind, but you also have that luxury of uh, dividing your time up in many ways possible for sure. Uh, last question, Nancy. What is, the, what is your best piece you've ever created? My purple moon. I love my purple moon piece, which is a stingray in the middle, and then I have three purple moons on the top, and then I have the reflecting uh, water below of the moons, and then the mountains. I think that's my favorite piece that I've ever made, and also the air balloon, but I really love my purple moon piece. Gotcha. We'll definitely have to check that out. But thank you so much, Becca, for taking time out of your day. Uh, before we go, you want you want to tag your social media so people can find you? Oh, yeah. Um, so Instagram, my it's Becca Behunen Art. And then I have a Facebook, Becca Behunen Art as well. Um, I also have a DeviantArt. Um, I think it's Becca B Art. And then my YouTube channel, when I get that started, is going to be Becca B Art on there. Awesome, Becca. Thank you, as always, to the United Promotion United Podcast Experience listeners out there for taking time to listen to our guests and these episodes. Becca, it's been a pleasure. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for taking time out of your day in this holiday season. Yeah, thank you for having me. Awesome, guys. Thank you, everybody. Yo, thank you for listening to the podcast. 
As always, we hope this episode was valuable. And for more awesome stories, please subscribe. If you have someone else in mind that should hear these episodes too, go ahead and share it. We dare you. Follow us on Instagram at The United Promotion. And for everything else, including show notes and more info on how to become a guest on our podcast, visit linktr.ee forward slash the UP. Have a great day.